Hello, Church of the Cross, and welcome back to the Ninth Avenue Nine. This is your host, Joel Bascom, pastor of Connecting and Equipping. Happy April to you all. I hope you're enjoying your spring. Driving over the bridge to Mendota Heights, you can see that spring green tinge above the river. Yep, it's happening again. The Lord is good. As things begin to open up and more people get vaccinated, it would be great to talk with you, either over Zoom or in person, about your picks. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org. And with that, on with the next show. I had a slight change of plans. We still will be having a show featuring our friend Justin Van Ingham, but I did have the opportunity a few weeks back to catch up with my old friend John Hardiker. We had an awesome time, and for those of you who are considering being on the show, check out that curveball that John throws me at the end. So, getting on to that show, here's episode 7 of the 9th Avenue 9, featuring Mr. John Hardiker. Welcome back to the basement, all. My guest today is a longtime member of Church of the Cross. In fact, he and his family have been at Cross since the very beginning, before it was even called Church of the Cross. Eleven years ago, my wife Stephanie and our family began attending Cross, and he and his family, wife Melanie and kids, were among the first people we met at Cross. It has been super fun to be in each other's lives all these years, sharing tasty drinks, which I see, John, you're, you're sharing one right now. Fantastic. I may have one. <laughs> sharing tasty drinks from time to time, as well as glib and sarcastic remarks. It is my pleasure to welcome to the basement Mr. John Hardiker. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. And I have all the details correct about uh, Church of the Cross, your timing and everything, right? Yep. Yeah, we were uh, part of the original group, um, met in Molly and Christian's uh, basement. I think we, we joke about the story that they we, we met them actually. At, um, they came to talk with us about the church plant idea that they were doing um, at mm-hmm. Wooddale mm-hmm. because we went to Wooddale. Okay. And um, I guess we, we told them, we'll give you a year um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll see what you know, we'll, we'll support you for a year and then, you know, then we'll figure out a plan after that. And uh, they apparently thought there's no way that we're going to leave Woodhill. I had been there um, I, I, almost, yeah, probably 30 plus years I had okay. been there. Um, so, like, I remembered Leith Anderson coming to Woodhill. Yeah. Um, so it was a long time that I had been there and they thought there's no way they're leaving Woodhill. And you did. here we are, 16 there years later, thinking. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, if you were part of the church plant, there was probably nothing that you weren't involved in uh, with the church when it began, because it's all hands on deck. Right. But what are some of the ways that if fo- folks going to church the cross now would maybe know what, what sort of things you've been doing around the church, uh, that kind of thing? Uh, so I've done a couple things. Um, so I've, it's kind of actually ironic, um, ironic uh, that I that the project is to, you know, nine albums spending a year in the basement. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, cause I, the basement is my design. Um, it's one of my, um, probably favorite designs that I did when I was a, a designer, uh, drafter, builder, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I designed the, um, the whole lower level, the, the whole basement, I guess the yes. undercroft as we used to call it with uh, the Stewart family. Um, and so I, that's all my design. Um, I did that. I did um, Andy and I made the big double doors that you come down the stairs into. We mm-hmm. cut that hole open. Um, 
and put the doors in there. I moved the um, the wall that the stained glass window is in. Yep. Um, that was one of the projects I worked on. I built that wall and moved that forward. Um, and then um, before we even started meeting there, we redid the whole stage um, where the pulpit is. I built that part of the stage, and then we put the. I was part of putting the pulpit in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it made the front entryway, that little roof thing. Um, that was one of the projects I worked on. Put all the put all of the new windows that are in the church I put in. Um, okay. And so just a couple uh, so, yeah, a lot of things. It's like I remember there's a if you go to St. Paul's in London, there's a there's a plaque there for Christopher Wren, who was the architect of the of the church, and it says, if you're looking for his memorial, just look around you. So maybe we could say that <laughs> about you. <laughs> well, we appreciate all the work, and like I said, it's been super fun to just be at church with you all these years. It's been fun doing retreats and all the things that we've been able to do with you guys as a family. Um yep. so uh, I understand you, as like with other people I've had on this here program, have a little bit of existential angst. But I will yes. say about these nine albums, I am going to go through the ground rules because it is part of the liturgy to do so. Um, yes. If you have any questions, now's the time, right? So <laughs> you are locked in the church basement of your design now that I find out for a year. Again. You have nine albums with you. Uh, the church basement has Bibles and books of common prayer, but you can have one other book and one luxury item. So, without further ado, let's jump in. What would your first album be, John? So, as soon as I heard this was happening, uh, immediately I knew um, album number one. Um, And it has been, through the multiple iterations of this list, this is stated as album number one. Uh, Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Oh, Uh, yes. I I love that one. Yes. It is um, probably, probably one of my favorite pieces of music. Do you have a the favorite whole... movement of the four? Number two. Yeah, me too. You um, know what? Yeah, number two is really beautiful. Yeah, but part of what I love about it in general is that, um, and this is, I guess, you talk about themes on the show. This is one of my major themes is story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love music because it has the ability to tell a story. Yeah. And Beethoven's Seventh has this incredible arc of story in each movement is sort of a different part of whatever story you're in the middle of. So whether you're, I mean, I've listened, I, I first experienced it um, at when I worked at Grand Casinos. Uh, I did a very mindless, mind-numbing job. And um, I, this was just, it was one of the CDs that was available. I, I saw it. I don't even know how I found it. Um, started playing it and it just had this great emotional theme to it. And then, I mean, I've been, when I used to do rescue work, driving down dirt roads um, at excessive speeds and <laughs> um, it just, it fits. And then hiking up North, it fits. Um, yeah. It's it's one of the soundtracks of what I would, if I would, you know, like you got the soundtrack playing in the back of your mind, whenever you're doing, whatever you're doing, this is often one of those soundtracks. And do you have a particular recording you like of it or is it just whatever? It's always great. I have not found, um, I have not found one that I don't like. Yeah. Um, I think they're all pretty good, um, in that fantastic way. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened to my original CD. It, it had a slightly different, like, as they all do have a different character to it, but, um, it, it, I haven't found that CD, Mm -hmm. um, that was in like 93 or 94. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that is that is a panicus. And one of my things I always do is I think about not only do I love that piece on its own, but I think about when I've maybe seen it somewhere else. And there is a scene in a great movie for for called The King's Speech uh, mm-hmm. about King George the I can't remember which number the fifth, the sixth, or so. It's played by Colin Firth, and his big speech at the end he gives. They use that second movement. Uh, yep. as the soundtrack so it's fantastic yep that was probably my favorite part of that movie oh yeah it's great reason. and it yeah. works so well uh oh and by the way as as always um with every guest on my podcast we will be putting together a spotify playlist so keep in mind the cuts uh, that you would like john and we can work together i'm sure we'll include yep. the second movement of beethoven's seventh symphony yes what's your number two pick so number two um is uh it's a bit of a gear shift um in musical styles but I argue that it is uh, the same journey with just a different voice. So it's uh, the, the band isn't probably the right word for it is Cosmic Gate. Uh-huh. Um, and it is the back to earth seven second mix. Um, okay. It's longer than seven seconds, but not <laughs> not terribly long, but it's techno. Okay. Um, it, it's uh uh, do they call it like fantasy techno? It's it's it's, it's like a subgenre of a subgenre, but okay. um, it's techno um, music, which uh, also has that similar uh, emotional arc. It has a lot of chaos and um, control at the same time, so it sort of speaks to my um, comfort in chaos. So, like, I mean, that as an ER nurse, that's oh, that's yeah. my yeah. my happy place is uh, the the semi-controlled chaos. Um, and the music does that. It's got this drive to it. It's got this emotion um, um, with it. And it's just, it's light on words. It doesn't have many words because um, mm-hmm. techno doesn't have that, but it's got a lot of change and variant in it. The full length version of Back to Earth is, I think it's a, it's like a 12 or 15 minute song. Okay. Um, but it's not... It doesn't have that. It's a longer arc, so it's a shorter arc. This is a shorter journey. Well, I'll certainly look forward to hearing it. I actually, that's one I haven't heard of, so that'll be fun to, yeah. to, to listen to. And, yeah, and I, I talked to, it's, I, I use it for background music. So um, when I'm doing um, like tile work, construction work, uh, that type of stuff, this is sort of my background music because it's got some energy to kind of keep you going after mm-hmm. too many hours of doing whatever you're doing. It's got the but it's not so intrusive that you can't sort of push it into the background. Um, I was talking with Philip Grace uh, a long time ago, I guess, uh, Church of the Cross member, um, the, our original super volunteer. And yes, he, I've heard of um, him. yeah, <laughs> he, we had talked about um, music and I was saying uh, about an artist that I thought was great, fantastic background music and i love this music mm-hmm. in the background and he's we we uh contemplated whether that's an insult or a um compliment yeah. to a musician that their yeah. music can sit in the background or it can be front, you know as opposed to being front and center but i feel like music that's versatile can be both front and back well and so far both your first two picks are good examples of that beethoven right. seventh can be an amazing background music but if you sit and listen to it it can be yeah, it can be very front of mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, what's number three? So, again, Clutch. Um, so, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Oh, sure, yes. Yeah, um, sort of <laughs> self-explanatory. Um, it, it was uh, one of the concerts that I remember 
very, very well. How old were you? How old were you when you saw the wall? Uh, it was this one that came back through. Um, it was in '88. Um, okay, we like saw it at the dome here okay. uh, in '88, um, and obviously not all of the members were there. Yeah, I think yeah, was, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. But nonetheless, it, it was Pink Floyd's wall, um, and they started the concert off, and it just there was a lot of it was pink, a lot of Pink Floyd about it, and um, you know they started off with the announcement, no smoking in the uh, in in the dome, mm-hmm. um, and the lights went down and then all the lights went back up again, basically from all the lighters that were going off. Um, <laughs> yes. and then at the end of the concert, there was all cigarette smoke. I'm sure. Of course. I'm sure it was. I, um, <laughs> yes. well, and pyrotechnics, of course. Cause oh, it was yes, that too, yeah. Um, but the reason, one of the reasons that they don't want you to have smoking materials in, uh, the dome is that smoke is not as heavy. Apparently doesn't, it's not as structurally sound as mm-hmm. air is. Okay. So when they, fill the dome up with air and then you fill it with smoke uh, the dome okay. comes down oh geez um so at the end of the concert lights came back up and it, the dome was drooping on <laughs> off of the scaffolding of the sound system so it was, it was fantastic i hope that wasn't the most memorable thing about the concert uh about the concert probably not yeah. um no it's also not the most memorable about the music itself um yeah the it was at a like 88 was a, a pretty um I guess big time in my life right now. Let's just say I was ending the, my teen years, and okay. um, yeah. it. I was working at uh, Trout Lake Camp, one of the Baptist General Conference camps here, as mm-hmm. a uh, AM and PM janitor and and dishwasher and all that type of stuff. Um, and I had this on tape. Yeah. Um, for those for, for those young people out there, a tape is a is a thing. <laughs> That has like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a thing that's got this long, long, like a little piece of like almost metallic uh, substance that you that is what the music's on. Just I'm yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt you, John, but no, I thought there might be some people that need And then there's this large that. machine, yeah. <laughs> that often called a boombox, yes. um, that you would put those tapes in. And yeah. uh, being who I am, um, I had set up in the bunk bed that I was in at the staff cabins. Um, I had wrapped two sides of the bed it was up against the corner and i had wrapped two sides with the blankets so that it was dark because mm-hmm. i did overnights a lot uh and then i took the mattress off and i put my boom box above it and then i who i am took took the mattress or the springs apart so that there was an opening where the cd or the, the tape would go in mm. so i had my boom box directly over my face there while i would sleep and i'd put in Pink Floyd, and I'd turn it just loud enough that in my little cave I could hear it, and then uh, that would go to sleep to that in the mornings. A couple really. of favorite tracks from the, the wall? Um, hey You is probably one of my favorite. Um, yeah. But this is, it's story. I mean, yeah, the it's whole a, it's album a, it's is a, a concept, story. It's a concept album, so it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the movie, the, everything, it's, it's, yeah. it's a long story arc that's just got some great, um, kind of brings you along stories and philosophical in many ways yeah yeah in some ways and in, in, i guess a lot of ways yeah um and very uh it calls a lot of things to to light that maybe people wouldn't think of in that way i mean like the the trials and the you know different parts that i feel like there's a a, a coming of age so to speak of the you know the singer of mm-hmm of pink, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
whichever one is pink, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a f great first three entries there, John. Uh, we're going to take a little break here, and we will get back to John's next three picks right after this. And we are back with my good friend John Hardiker. John, what are you drinking there? What's uh, what's the uh, what? Um, this is a fourteen-year-old uh, Belvini Scotch. Um, okay. I think it's a fourteen-year-old. Okay. Um, it's it's a little bit of uh, Scottish love. And and John is is enjoying his beverage very responsibly. I just want to make sure. Very responsibly, yes. I am sitting in my own yeah, absolutely. basement. Absolutely, yes. With only a small sipper because, um, that's how you enjoy scotch. Absolutely, you don't you don't have much. So um, yeah. as you were going through your picks, was there a particular time of your life that a lot of it ended up in, or was it kind of all over the place? Uh, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely span of uh, many decades. Um, I think most of it, everything I think starts in my teens mm -hmm. and then moves into my, I don't know what we're calling this, um, into my now. Um, into your now, yes. Into my now, yes. Um, I, I think the two themes for me are um, story. Everything is about story for music, in music for me. Um, and then passion. Mm -hmm. is my other one so the two things that drive draw me to music is does it have a story to tell mm -hmm. um and will it um does it drive you mm -hmm. um you know if i find that if you're in your car and you feel that the music is making you think i oh i should slow down now that's probably a song i'm gonna like <laughs> that's right um not a good song yeah or if you think you're gonna you're like halfway through and you're realizing i'm, I'm starting to cry on a song that's also a song that I'm probably going to like because yes. it, it has brought you in. Yes. It affects you to that degree. Yep. Okay, so what's number four? So number four is uh, I went with one of the best ofs. Um, okay. There's two of my best of albums in here, um, and this is the uh, U2 oh. best of. Okay. Uh, I have an album that's best of from 1980 to 1990, so it's only a 10-year best of. Got it. Um, I have that and, one. I had, I have or had that one at some point. I yeah. can't remember. And um, similar to somebody that was already on the show uh, and claims um, some connection um, with the lead singer uh, of the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who you mean. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually did. Um, I was. I we're gonna say I performed in concert uh, when they came here. Uh, in 87 with them in November. Um, the performance may have gotten me picked up and thrown through the doors um, out <laughs> of the building. Um, but it Fantastic. was... Fantastic. Uh, what venue was this that you got thrown out of? I love it. That was uh, the St. Paul Civic Center. I'm pretty sure it was the Civic Center. <laughs> so you, you, you got on stage? Uh, no, I was in the crowd. Um, okay. But I did make enough of a um, performance... Uh, if you're over 18 and you want to ask me about what you can, things you can do, uh, with a lighter that can make a big impact in a crowd, um, sure. go ahead and ask me, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, Asia security, they used to do all the security stuff. They were the very large, uh, men, um, yeah. very large, intimidating people, uh, 
happened to be in the area when I did my um, your your parlor tricks. My parlor tricks yeah. and uh, picked me up by the collar and the belt and walked dragged me to the uh, the double doors and literally picked me up off the ground and threw me through the doors. Oh wow! It was how much of the show? Did, how much so, of the show did you get to see? I, everything but so was, they had already done the um first encore okay and this was most of the way through the second encore so like okay. you know they get into there real slow and everybody holds their lighters up um and i had a friend a couple months ago a year ago that was lamenting on facebook about concerts and remembering this um this u2 concert in um minneapolis and um i had no idea she was there but oh, um, funny she had this recollection of this giant uh, fireball um, <laughs> in the stage, in the stadium that caused a bit of a ruckus. And uh, I'm like, hey, that was me. There you go. So what are a couple of the favorite cuts? I mean, those are all great songs, obviously. They're all pretty much classics, but what, yeah, are, what uh, are your yeah, favorite Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone. But uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, again, story uh-huh. and passion um, and pride, um, sure. I think would probably be my top. Um while doing my research for this, um, I did. I listened to pretty much. I listened to a lot of music mm-hmm. um, to try to figure out, oh, which one am I going to put on this list, and which one. Oh wow! I appreciate how much work you put into it. That's great. Yeah, uh, more than is probably appropriate. Um, yeah, I'll have to ask the rector how much he put into it. Yeah, it didn't sound like much. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Andine put in way more to work. We could all tell, couldn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had she had like musical information about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Christian got mad at me at one point too. It was really nice. yeah. I feel like yeah. Yeah. Well, those are great songs. Uh, yeah. I didn't get a chance to see them until I was much older. So I re- it was one of those bands that I wanted to see so, so much for so long. And I never, I never really got the chance until uh, 2011. So I think I mentioned yeah. that when I was talking to Christian, but it was the 360 tour. And the amazing thing about them was that even though it was a huge arena, or a stadium, they still filled it well they still were able Mm. to put a show on that actually made you feel like you were in a club even though you were in a stadium it was pretty amazing yeah we saw it um we saw them two years ago did we see them at u.s bank i think we saw them the same night you did when they did the joshua tree tour yeah yeah and that that the sound wasn't as good the sound wasn't as good there but it was still fun to see yeah not for beck beck had it oh beck was really loud yeah but i did enjoy seeing beck though Beck yeah. was also there, yeah. What's number five, John? Number five. Uh, this is my other greatest hits. Bob Dylan, greatest hits. Uh, this is my, I guess, nod to Christian. You um, <laughs> two and Bob Dylan. Um, and I went with the greatest hits. So my favorite song would be Tangled Up in Blue. Uh-huh. Um, it's one of many good story. I mean, Bob Dylan, storyteller. I mean, I don't, yes. I don't know who you get. It's much better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, meatloaf, maybe, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did not make the cut. He was on the list. Um, uh, Blood on the Tracks is a better version. So the studio version, in my very um, non-musical professional opinion, is uh, the studio version is a better version of Tangled Up in Blue than the mm-hmm. live version is on the greatest hit that I have. Um, but in looking around. That, that album is the one that has the most variety of his other music on yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I decided because 
you got to think big picture sometimes. And if I'm going to be in the basement for a year, yes. I want the big, the big stuff. What's the other songs you that that are your big, big picks? Um, the Hurricane. I just love the Hurricane. Yeah. Um, it really got me to actually look it up. Um, I looked up the story of the Hurricane, and um, I did sort of a, a deep dive. Is a strong term, but I did a deep dive into like what what is this story about? And I guess in today's environment, it's it's super important. Kind of um, timely, yeah. Yeah, really timely. And so so, so is Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yes. Um, they both really speak to a lot of civil unrest and a lot of uh, people, musicians um, with. A voice being able to step forward and tell a story that others are not able to get forward. And in a way that nobody else can. Right. It's the, the originality that, I mean, of it. Yeah. How many years later we're still talking about Hurricane's it. a great song. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, Bob Dylan is one of those guys where you get like, when he's made, he's made what, I think six or 700 albums. So you, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to it. get it down to, yeah, to, to, to one race. So I, I don't blame you yeah. at all. And you too, I mean, not nearly as many albums, but they have so many great songs. I can kind of see it. Yeah. What's number six? Number six uh, is, and you know, the theme of my thing is story and Brandy Carlisle, the story. Oh yeah. Um, so it's the album is the story. The song is the mm -hmm. story. Um, and it was really my introduction into that genre of folksy storytelling uh -huh. uh, style music. It is, this is like, I, it's early, the, my favorite Pandora station. This is my go-to um, at pretty much, this is what I cook too. This is what we um, sit up at Black Beach in the North Shore and watch the moon rise around a fire with um, probably, a, you know, a scotch and maybe a cigar um and watch <laughs> and just listen to that and you know um just sitting around the house romantic dinners um just oh this is this is like soundtrack yeah yeah and, she's a very talented um, she's a very talented yeah. musician and songwriter yeah this and yeah lyrically it's beautiful the sound is is amazing as well but um it sort of made me think i was uh I was watching Adam Savage. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. Um, Mythbuster, one of the Mythbusters. Okay. Uh, anyway, so he he does this uh, this video show where he does stuff and one day builds and um, it's really intense about everything that he does. And he did a uh, Raymond Chandler quote. Mm -hmm. um, he paraphrased, uh, "An adventure story would be no adventure if it did not happen to a person fit for adventure." Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like. Uh, and, he, he, and then he went on to talk about like the best stories are those that happen to people who are interested in what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the, um, my next album and then, you know, sort of that story, um, Tangled Up in Blue, Hurricane, Sunday Bloody Sunday, um, they all sort of speak to that people interested in the story that they're telling and the story that's going on in their life. So beyond like the, uh, the, sh the title track, any other songs on the story that you, that you really love? Uh, I can't remember. I get, I get some of them mixed up. I didn't write down others of that album. Um, cause you just usually listen to the whole things. Well, so I don't do albums all that much anymore. This is my Pandora channel. This is so, the Pandora um, channel. Okay. yeah. So I, I, I hear a number of, her songs on there and I get, and then, um, 
I get her lost with um, some of my some of the other artists like Sarah Bareilles, and um, I get their songs sort of mixed and mingled together. And I'm, um, I would want to give too many names of not her songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's yeah. The, the storytelling is yeah. I mean, especially if you go with some of these folks. What I love about it is there's so many, there's a few different tributaries of music. And one of the ones like country music, uh, where if you think of somebody like Brandy Carlisle, Bob Dylan to a degree is in that sort of tradition as well. And you too, even though they're Irish is just like the story is the thing of the song instead of like, you know, necessarily being ethereal or even just writing about a feeling, but telling a story. It really is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, one of the things, favorite things about music for me is that um, music has the ability to put words to the wordless mm-hmm. um, or the unwordable, I guess, which is to coin a phrase. Yeah. Um, where um, I, I guess my next guy, I don't know if we're going to skip that, but um, <laughs> we'll get the that. next to the next album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That heavy voice crack, um, yeah. where you can hear the the strain of the not just the physical instrument itself, but the strain of the language that mm-hmm. can't be fully contained, yeah. the emotion that can't be contained by language or sound um, or vocalization. That's where music can step in and sort of picks up the the un that emotion that's under there that. Yeah. Um, that's what I love about music, its ability to do that. Absolutely. All right. Well, I can tell you're really excited to get to that seventh <laughs> album. So we'll uh, take a quick break here. We'll be right back to talk about it. And we are back with John Hardiker here in the basement. Uh, John, I wanted to know, I know you're very excited to get to your seventh pick. Before you do, um, what was your what was your process, your philosophy behind getting the, I mean, it sounds like story is big for you. Was there anything yep. else that you were thinking about in terms of how you eliminated certain ones that you just couldn't, you didn't think you could live without and then you decided to eliminate them? Yeah, um, so passion was the other one. Um, like a big, um, like just the, the, like I was just saying, the ability to, for music to pick up where the voice can't mm-hmm. go. Um, and I think that was sort of that, my test. So my litmus test, I threw out, I had nine or 10 albums right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started having to cut. Um, I had originally a theme. I wanted to go with uh, a couple from youth, a couple from now, a couple from, um, I really wanted to have a big, strong local presence because um, yeah. there's a number of local artists that I just, I just love, um, and I wanted to get in there. But um, most of them, sadly, like I said, I, I think I have 18 albums on the side uh, that <laughs> we're right. all cut. There's just all the different ones that you, that you just love. So what's number seven? Number seven is Louis Capaldi. Okay. Um, the divinely uninspired to a hellish extent as the album, um, and the the you know what i love i think what i like about him is is i love his voice but uh his unassuming character if you've ever like watched interviews with him he's very 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 dry humor mm-hmm. he's scottish okay. um 
and he um, he described himself as um, the uh, Scottish Beyonce. Okay. Which uh, there's um, other than Scottish, I don't know, understand how that is even. But I mean, he's and he didn't just um, because he had a billboard somewhere. There's a space on the on the wall on the tube, and he's like, I'm basically. Scottish Beyonce, um, <laughs> but but he tells a great story. Um, and uh, the "Before You Go" song, um, a lot of people think of it as like a breakup song. And um, I was talking with someone at work about it, and it's really actually more of it's it's really i guess it's really a suicide song um but it's more about the um the survivor song mm -hmm. so um he talks a lot about that sort of second guessing of the people left behind in in that situation and you know is there something i could have said or done yeah. or you know it's just um but you can hear his voice um break a number of times while he's sort of singing that um and the video, the official video, is is sort of heartbreaking. Mm. Um, and this is a story that is uh, true to his life. Where I guess I looked at uh, his aunt, I think, when he was young, mm. um, committed suicide. And this was his sort of way of reconnecting with her and his family and others to be like, hey, this is something to yeah. um, think about. What was the name of that song that you're talking about? Uh, Before You Go. Okay. And the other one is uh, his, the other song that I really like on there is "Someone You Loved," uh, mm -hmm. where he talks about I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. Um, that's a breakup song. Okay. <laughs> you said "Before You Go" is the name of the other one. Yeah, "Before You Go" is the name of the song. The album is divinely uninspired to a hellish extent. Okay. By Louis Capaldi. Very cool. I have not heard of him, so I'll look forward to checking that oh, out. Oh yeah, I think I think you will. Uh, I, I think you like him a lot. Absolutely. What's number eight? Number eight is, um, this is my closest, what I'm going to call local uh, connection. Yes. Um, it also has uh, Bob Kingsbury throughout, you know, this is my uh, nod to Bob Kingsbury. It's a Celtic punk band with bagpipes. Celtic I feel punk? like I, need, I don't need to say any more why anyone <laughs> should listen to it. Um, that's the reason. Uh, Flatfoot 56, they're out of Chicago area. What was it called again? Flatfoot 56. Flatfoot's 56. And um, it is amazing. Um, <laughs> like I said, Celtic punk band yeah. um, with bagpipes. Um, they perform in kilts. What What else do you mean? Um, it's true. My Yeah. Um, my favorite song, oddly enough, is um, it's called Kane. Um, it's a very raspy, gravelly vocal song, uh, storytelling about Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also a Christian band. So it's like, it's a Christian Celtic punk band mm -hmm. with bagpipes. Like, come on. Um, pretty great. Uh, and oddly enough, Cain is, uh, acoustic version in the jungle of the Midwest sea is the album. Uh, -huh. uh and that song in particular is, uh, an acoustic version, uh, no bagpipes, uh -huh. um, so it's like a bagpipe band that my favorite song is not bagpipes, but, <laughs> um, but the, just the gravel in the voice is just hard to yeah. get away from. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard of them either. So from. you're giving me some great stuff here. I, I, I've, I've loved doing that. I had a, 
I, when I, on the, one of the last episodes I did, I had had Thea Kuning sent me in a, a playlist and it was, I've loved mm. listening to it. Most of it I hadn't heard. So it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, you've, you've taken me a lot of different places in the world here, John. I'm looking all at this <laughs> list and you've got some great stuff, you know, and, uh, I am looking forward to, to, to getting to know some of it, especially the techno I, and the, the, the last two you mentioned. So with that in mind, what is your last pick? What was your, what was the final one that made the cut? So this one, um, there was a lot of thought going into what this one was going to be. Uh, I had originally, when I first thought about it, this was my initial idea, um, this album. And then I started throwing my stuff and I'm like, Ooh, I got to, I got too many albums. That idea is going to have to go to the wayside. Uh, and then as I was talking it out, as I always do with, with uh, my wife, um, and she said, if, Hold on, which John. one would you, if you're really going to truly be there for a year, what are you going to choose? Yeah. And I'm like, well, oh, my internet just said it's unstable. Um, if, if you're really going to choose, which one are you going to get rid of? So I got rid of, the album and I put this back in um, as the thing, because I started thinking if I'm going to spend a year in the church basement, um, which nearly, I mean, it's arguable. It's again, (laughs) 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 you're locked into the church basement Um, after uh, Andy and uh, Christian finish with the work that they give me that I finish with the work that they give me. uh, And then I have a year left to relax. um, How do I want to spend that? Do I want to spend it thinking about, where I am right now and all of these great memories that music brings with me, or do I want to also add in like future and growth, mm-hmm. which I, I really, I think is, is a huge part of musically for me. I think that's important and just developing as a person. That's a pretty important. Yeah. So my ninth pick is um, I want you to choose. So my oh, next pick would be for you to choose uh, one album that I need to have. Really? Well, you're putting yep. me on the spot here. Now you, you're right. asking me to do something that I haven't. I, well, that, that's great. Now, I, because for those of you I, listening, this is not planned at all because I did not know he was going to ask, and this is great. Um, and by the way, if any of you ever want to do this, feel free because, but, you know. So, okay, so give me um, any particular... I mean, I have nine in mind, so, right. well, so my, but, I mean, obviously, what, what do you think? I mean, what, what, what kind of qualifications? Anything? Uh, so my initial thought was um, just anybody give me an album. That was my initial thought. I want someone else to pick an album for me. And yes. then I started thinking, who should pick an album for me? And I realized you're probably one of the um, bigger audio files that I <laughs> am aware of that would have a list of albums that they feel a person should know. Um and I don't know that I have any requirements. So um, okay. I, the only thing I would just that hate to stick you with something that you hate. There At least these other ones, you already know. You, you already know yeah. that you like them. Right. There, there's two types of music I don't like. Yeah. Uh, it really only two: um, soprano and higher opera. Um, <laughs> okay. I just, just it's physically uncomfortable for me to listen to. Um, okay. I already have tinnitus. I don't. I don't need to add a sound that's similar to it. Yeah. Um, so anything, but you know, like the altos, the tenors, you know, yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, even um, fan of the opera is great, but um, and I don't like 
hip hop, modern hip hop, not my thing. Hardcore, old school, nineties rap. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But the, um, just the modern hip hop. I just, I don't like the the story. I don't like the, the message. I don't like any of it. Well, I mean, I, I, there are so many great albums, as you know. So, I mean, and you've already, you've already included a couple of artists that would be really, really good, uh, candidates. Um, so the one I'm going to give you is something that is a little bit different in terms of genre. Uh, it's an album that I've listened to a lot. Now, for those of you listening at home, I'm not necessarily giving anything away here about what my nine would be. Let me just <laughs> say that first and foremost. But, um, I love jazz. Um, and I, uh, I have gone through a lot of my life and there are a few jazz albums. I, I, I have tons of jazz, well, tons, I have dozens of jazz albums. Um, but if I were to give you one that I think would really, really be great, it would be, uh, Duke Ellington live at Newport. Yep. And I think it's in 1957, 58. And it has a cut on it that is... Um, it's two songs that Duke Ellington wrote, uh, Diminuendo in Blue and Crescendo in Blue, and he puts them together, and in the middle he has a, a saxophone interlude by the, his tenor saxophonist named Paul Gonzalez, and it's a seven-minute solo, and he does, like, dozens of choruses. And it is mm. one of the greatest pieces of music. It's an adventure. But the whole thing is great, and the, the live performance is great because of the fact that the crowd is going bananas by the end of it. And so for a a New England stuffy crowd to be going that crazy, it's pretty great. So that would be it for you, my friend. I hope you like it. perfect. (laughs) I love it. I have a, uh, I was in Disney uh, when I was probably six or eight. Yeah. um, And um, bluesy. Uh, We were at a jazz club. Um, They had a jazz club on campus or whatever um and we were there and the woman was singing don't make my brown eyes blue mm-hmm. and um i we were my family was up front there's six of us uh, we were all sitting up there in the front table and i'm this little six-year-old kid with dark 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 brown eyes and um close enough that the person on stage was able to pull that out that i had dark brown eyes and came down and this woman started singing don't make my brown eyes blue mm-hmm. <laughs> to me and um it was like i was horrified embarrassed and loved it um, yeah, all, all at the same, same time. time yeah so it's perfect well that's a great yeah. one john i like that and you know for those of you at home i'm always willing to to give you ideas so if you want to have if you want to if you want to give me one of your picks i'm honored and john that was really great that was an honor so you've got nine albums, eight albums of your own choosing, one of mine that I think you will like. And by the way, mm-hmm. in real life, I'd be happy to lend that to you because it is yeah. fantastic. Um, so as you know, you went through, you you did a great job of whittling these down to eight and then nine with my help. And then you have a book beyond the Book of Common Prayer and the Bible are there. So you have a book and a, a lecture. And what would your book be? Uh, so I had to make sure because I like to follow, uh, rules that I enjoy. Um, and <laughs> I want to make sure that there was a version of this book as a single book. Yes. Uh, it is the complete book of swords by Fred Saberhagen. Okay. Um, it's originally, my original reading of it was in, um, the book of swords one, the first, second, and third book of swords. So it was originally in three books. Um, and Saberhagen's probably, I mean, it's my genre of that fantasy genre. I mm-hmm. love. Um, 
I mean, obviously after Todd Johnson, he's one of my top three um, uh-huh. authors mm-hmm. um, in the world. And uh, Todd Johnson, a longtime Church of the Cross member. For those of you right. who don't know, yes. who writes uh, yes. who writes works of, of fiction. Yes. Um, or is it? Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I just love that series of books. Um, it's sort of a fantasy um, sci-fi. So he writes a fantasy, fantasy sci-fi. Um, one of the reviews I read about it was describes it as uh, 50,000 years in the future. Uh-huh. Um, and basically it's back in this uh, sword age. Um, and there's a, it's a book about 12 lost swords that were made um, by the gods um, as a joke mm-hmm. to mess with people uh-huh. and then thrown out into the world. But the guy that they were torturing to make the swords basically said, well, this would be fun. I'm going to make the swords so they can kill gods, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's this big race to get these 12 swords. And each sword has its own special um, uh, power. Mm-hmm. Um, so like town. Um, Stonecutter can actually cut stones. Uh-huh. It's about all it does. Uh, so it's not really good for anything else. Wound healer actually heals people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's almost useless as a sword to fight people with, but there you can go. put arms back together with it. So, so a complete um, book of swords by, uh, what's the first name? Fred Saberhagen. Fred. Early, mid-80s is okay. when that series was made. So it's basically um, the, the uh, Infinity Stones. Oh, sure. The, yeah. yeah, so it's the same concept, just as a sword. <laughs> okay. And what's your luxury item going to be? Uh, anybody that knows me knows the uh, most important luxury in my life is my wife, but I'm assuming that that is... Um, <laughs> Sentient beings don't count, I don't think. Right. That's, I <laughs> the, by, the, um, by the way, fantastic answer. You can't yeah. go wrong saying that for lots of different reasons. <laughs> that being said, I was assuming that that was not a rule that I'd be able to um, bend yeah. to my will. Um, so then... I really bounce between a couple things. Um, uh, and I think I'm probably going to land on the, um, I really sort of want a sensory deprivation chamber down there. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think I have. <laughs> so it's basically a, a, a tub that is body temperature and high salinity so that you float better in it and it doesn't um, over um, wrinkle the skin and all that. Okay. And then um, it's soundproof and no lights. So it's yeah. basically zero, um, zero senses. sensory. So you don't feel anything because you start to float. And sure. Well, John, we spare no expense at the Ninth Avenue nine right. in terms of what people. So I would be thrilled to, yeah. to provide you with a sensory deprivation chamber. Because if anybody's been in the basement for any period of time, they know there is a lot of noises uh, in that basement. A lot of things and, happen. Yeah, and knowing what a lot of those noises are, I would be driven to either repair them or um, try to work with them or whatnot. So so this is your I chance do. to get away from all of that right. in yeah. your, your place of solitude. It is warm in there. Yes. All right, John. Well, <laughs> these are great picks. I really, love, I really love the fact that you put it back onto me at the end. That's good. I like that. <laughs> and uh, we will, um, as always, John, it's, it's great to talk to you. This has been a great conversation. And thank you so much for being my, my guest on the 9th Avenue 9. It's a privilege. All right. Take all right, care thanks. now. Bye-bye. 
And with that, we have another new collection of music to explore. My thanks to John for taking the time to talk with me and for throwing me that curveball at the end. Please, please feel free to explore John's Spotify playlist that is linked with the podcast. Now, this is the seventh episode of the show, but I've so far collected eight lists. With that, I thought I would share a few trends. So far, only two works have been repeated. Both of them are musicals. Hamilton has been mentioned four times, and Les Miserables has been mentioned twice. As for artists, so far, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Bob Dylan, and U2 have all been mentioned four times. The Avett Brothers have been mentioned three times, and Ben Kyle, Yo-Yo Ma, The Waterboys, and Beethoven have each been mentioned twice. We are collecting quite a library. Remember to email me at joel at ofthecross if you want to be on the show, or if you just want to send me your list, I'd be happy to read it on a future episode. The next guest on the show will be sound expert and music lover, Jesse Hamer. Until then, may the peace of the Lord be with you.